Hello, Internet, and anyone listening, I'm Angelique, and this is episode 21 of Read Your Heart Out. Um, Sorry, I was not here for the month of September. It was a pretty crazy month for me, a lot of personal things going on. I got engaged about halfway through the month. That kind of took up a lot of my mental uh, capacity, and then I got COVID literally the day after I got engaged. So it was on quarantine, and then I twisted my ankle. It's been a lot been a lot of things keeping me from coming to talk about books but the only reason that I'm not too upset about it is because we've rolled over into October one of my favorite times of the year like so many people and so I thought since we are now officially in spooky season it would be a perfect time to talk about the scariest book I've ever read hands down one of my favorite horror novels I've ever read and just really a great piece of horror fiction that deserves recognition and drum roll please was published in 2011. What? Maybe the most modern book I've read or discussed in depth on this podcast. So super exciting starting out season two with uh, nowhere even close to being in the 1800s, which is probably a a, uh, exciting thing for a lot of you out there because I know that they can get maybe a little bit boring. But um, today we are going to talk about the 2011 British horror novel written by Adam Neville, and it is called The Ritual. If that sounds familiar, there's also a movie version of this book. I have not watched the movie. I don't really know how well the movie portrays the book, but I do know that the book is one of the most terrifying things I've ever read in my life. It was one of the only times I've ever had to actually pause, walk away from a book and give myself a break because the visuals were just so disturbing and upsetting and just like the tension and the suspense and the thrill and the horror of this novel is just masterful and deserves a little bit of a spotlight on our podcast. So today, without further ado, we are going to talk about The Ritual by Adam Neville. All right, so our story starts off with four old college friends who are now pretty well into their adulthood. They're reuniting, and they've decided to take a little hiking trip through some pretty intense forests in Sweden. They're kind of famous. They're known for being really old, but like a really beautiful place for hikers to go. They chose to do this hiking thing because one of the friends is uh, having a little bit of like a financial difficulty at the time. So this was more of a budget friendly type of like vacation for them. So they all kind of meet um, They're The beginning opens up with them before they've even gone on the trip, really. And they're in a bar and they're all kind of chatting. And it starts off with this feeling of these characters like not quite being who they were when they first became friends and when they met. Luke, who is our main guy pretty much throughout the whole book, he gives off the vibe that like, oh, these aren't really the, like I probably wouldn't be friends with these people if I met them now compared to when I met them all those years ago, which for a lot of people is a pretty universal common feeling of just like growing out of friendships and growing out of people. But they're all already here. They all, I think they're all from like London, England area. They've all come back or they've all come to Sweden to take this little trip together, even though they might not be like quite as close or the best of friends as they used to be, you know, they're reunited. So they start their their trip through these very dense Swedish mountains. Um, and as they go throughout their trip, one of the friends 
uh, Phil, he gets blisters and then the other friend Dom kind of injures his knee and they're getting a little bit frustrated because it's kind of like I'm injured now and I got to walk through all these woods and like they're not even really that good of friends anymore. So there's like already a lot of weird tension going on. And so the men decide to take a shortcut to try to get back and just like shorten their hiking trip a little bit, Um, which if you are a horror fan, whether it be horror books or horror movies, that's usually the first misstep of the adventure. Taking a shortcut through super old woods doesn't sound like a very smart idea, but here we are. Our friends decide let's go this way instead. And Lo and behold, they get very lost in the very dense, rich woods of Sweden. As they're walking around, they kind of become like pretty scared. Like they have no idea where they are. They have no idea how to get back. They've left the trail that everybody told them, do not leave any trails while you're in these woods. And of course, they left the trail and things get really, really weird when they come across a a corpse of an animal that's like strung up and hanging in a tree in not a natural way like normal predators would not leave this animal like this in the trees so already like a bad omen has been shown to them of like okay what the hell is going on in these woods they continue on because they really you know what are they gonna go they gotta go nowhere before where at this point they don't even know how to go back so they're continuing on And as they're walking, they come across something even more disturbing, a very old abandoned shack. It's kind of falling apart. And they they go in there and they find that the shack is filled with bones. Um, I don't know if they can tell if it's human or animal. They probably can't. But bones everywhere, weird artifacts that, you know, they kind of have very pagan, macabre-like aura to them. They're just bizarre, nothing like they've ever seen before. And as they keep going, they also find a church. And in the church, they see like stuff on the ground, stuff on the walls, like random candles and altar, like way more of this like pagan stuff, like something weird was going on in this shack and in this church. And so they're all kind of like, okay, I don't really like this. They're all getting very creeped out by it. And then Hutch, one of the friends falls through the floor because this place is super old remember he falls through the floor of the church and as like he kind of figures out where he is like getting his bearings luke goes down to help him and they kind of explore a little bit of what they've discovered and they find human remains this time for certain of uh, adults and children as well as more animal remains and so now everybody's super fucking freaked out they're like where the hell are we what the fuck is going on here like this is weird all these bones and it's very abandoned so like is it who was doing any of this we never heard there's some lore to these woods but like nothing this specific and so Again, there's really nothing for them to do but continue on forward to try to find their way out of the woods. But from that moment on, all four of them have very intense dreams, mostly nightmares. Some of them are kind of like visions, almost prof- like prophetic in that way. And the, these dreams like haunt them now as they continue on their journey. Now, as we talked about, the story starts off before we even get into the woods with this like kind of tension between our friends because they really aren't friends anymore. They're just almost strangers now who are in a very real life or death situation being lost in the woods. So that tension is ratcheted up a lot. And there's becoming like more and more conflict between our friends. Luke, who's kind of our narrator throughout this whole story, he's 
pretty much the odd one out because after college, he went out to kind of pursue his dreams um, of a career and stuff. He didn't like settle down with a career, like a, you know, an office job. He didn't get married or any of those things. Um, whereas the rest of them did, they did the stereotypical thing that's expected of them as they left college. But now that they're in the middle of this woods, some of them are injured. All of them are scared. They're all kind of like admitting what's been going on in their lives. And you find out that Dom and Phil are about to get divorced. They have a lot of like strife at home, like things are not going well. And you kind of get this feeling that all these people are living very, very different lives than they put out or that they would have expected of each other when they met all those years ago. So things are very like intense right now as they're lost in the woods. And um, Hutch is like to Luke, our main guy, he's like, we should leave these two because they're hurt and they're only going to drag us down like Dom can barely move because of his knee. Phil just keeps complaining about everything, whatever. But before Luke can kind of make this decision to abandon these two friends, which is really kind of shitty, but before he can do that, Hutch is taken. He's taken by this, this entity. They have no idea what it is. He's just like gone. And now the three remaining men are fully fucking freaking out. They're like, there is something out here with us. We need to get out of here so they continue on their journey because now they're like, something's around us and has hunted one of us. So we got to get out of here. As they're walking away, they see Hutch and they see him strung up in a tree, very similarly to that animal, his guts out. Like he's like, kind of like spread eagle in the tree limbs and like like disemboweled and fucked up by whatever the hell stole him during the night uh naked and gutted and just disgusting like uh it's very the visual storytelling that Neville is able to give with his writing is almost too good because it's just so gross <laughs> it's just so scary it's so disturbing this the the finding of the bodies was one of those times where I'm like, okay, I can only read this and I got to take a break type of thing. Um, so now they're very much losing their shit. All that's left is Luke and the two injured ones. And they're like, we got to get out of here as time goes on. And they're trying to find their way out. Phil, who had, he just had blisters, but he was kind of complaining a little bit. Phil disappears next. And they're like, okay, this thing that took Hutch is still following us. It's still like hunting us through the fucking woods, but they don't even know what it is. They can't even see it. It's like they, they know it has to be some vicious creature to be able to string him up in the trees and like do that kind of carnage and damage to them. But like they have no clue what this thing looks like. So now Luke and Dom, who Dom had his like kind of injured knee, they're all that's left. And they're like, please, we need to get the hell out of this forest now. So they continue on because, again, there's nowhere to go but forward. And they find Phil in the trees next. Same exact way. Butchered, slaughtered, naked, hanging from the branches like a piece of fucking meat, literally, in the wind. And now they're like, if they weren't freaking out before, and then they weren't freaking out after the first body, they are capital F freaking the fuck out. It is just two of them. They are completely lost in the woods. They have no idea what's going on. One of them has a bum leg. Couldn't even run away really if he wanted to. And so they've decided we are going to start sleeping in shifts and we're going to keep our eye out for this thing. Well, obviously the creature comes back. Luke has like 
in interaction with the creature. They man to get in a little bit of a tussle. He's able to kind of hurt it like he has a rock as his only weapon. He's able to hurt it, but not kill it. And unfortunately, Dom disappears as well. Dom is gone. Luke, who was attacked by the creature but not taken, passes out from the wounds and the stress uh, uh, probably and like the shock of the whole fucking thing, all his friends being like picked apart. Um, He passes out and he wakes up in this random bed in this random room in the middle of fucking nowhere. They've been in like, they've been in the densest trees this whole time, like very dense old woods. And that's kind of a big thing. Like these woods have history, these trees, like the foley, like everything around them feels steeped in history and lore and old and scary. And now all of a sudden he's back in quote unquote civilization, but it is not what he thought it would be. All right, so Luke, our only surviving friend of the original four, has just spent a number of days being hunted in the woods by an unknown, terrifying creature who has picked his friend group apart one by one, disemboweled them, and strung them up in trees, which is, woo, very intense. And now we wake up in the middle of nowhere. He has no idea where he is, but there are these three teenagers, they're literally teenagers, And they're wearing these Halloween-type masks or just, like, weird... I wouldn't even say Halloween masks. I'd probably say more, like, culty, pagany, creepy masks type thing. Um, They call themselves Loki, Fenris, and Surtur. They're part of a black metal band called Blood Frenzy, and they claim that they are Vikings. And they say that Luke has been spared because he's going to be a sacrifice to the god Odin. So... This is where the book takes a very weird shift and weird in a good way because it's like unexpected. You'd think it would just be kind of a creature horror book. But now we've kind of turned into like little creepy pagan realistic ritualistic creepiness. You know what I'm saying? And he uh, he's now a captive pretty much by these three teenagers. And there's this old woman who must be overseeing and supervising the children. He doesn't really know what these people are doing here in the middle of the woods, why they're here, why this old woman has these three teenagers with her in just this random ass fucking cabin. But he sees these people and then he hears like some kind of scuttling movement in the attic, which is ugh, so unsettling, so gross. And when he wakes at first, his first thought is, oh, my God people they can help me they'll call for help like they i'm free i'm saved thank god thank the lord whatever but he quickly realizes that these three people and the old woman are very aware of the creature in the woods so aware that they kind of appease the creature by giving him sacrifices and giving him things to keep him away from their little cabin luke is like oh shit i went stepped out of one pile of shit right into another and as he tries to uh flee they take him outside before he can run away and show him dom the last remaining friend who is strung up in the trees like everybody else gutted just naked destroyed by whatever the hell that entity is that's been hunting them this whole time um he fails at escaping luke fails at escaping and that's when the blood frenzy teens tell him that he's going to be sacrificed and luke is like okay you guys are fucking nuts like you guys are he's kind of making fun of him like you really think odin exists like you guys are stupid like 
whatever, kind of mocking them, telling them like, you're a bunch of stupid delinquents, you'll never do anything, whatever. And they're like, oh, yeah, let me show you something. And they take Luke up to the attic where he heard all those weird noises. And inside the attic are what they call the ancient ones. They are centuries old human beings. Like they look like zombies pretty much. But the only thing that's a little bit weird about them is they all have goat legs. So they're human beings with goat legs and they're all super old and like crotchety and like, you know, wrinkly and gross. And they're all being taken care of upstairs by the old woman who we thought was taking care of the teenagers. And Luke is like, God damn, it's one thing after another. First it's a creature, then it's these stupid teenagers. And now there's literally half goat, half human, like, creatures in this attic that have been alive for hundreds of years. Like, shit gets so weird, so fast. And this is kind of goes into, like, the Swedish lore type of stuff. And so... He's like, okay, well, I think that I'm fucked because, you know, they're they're going to like they start preparing him to be a sacrifice. He's bathed. He's kind of put in these like specific clothes and then the old woman by the old woman. And then they uh, tie him upside down on this big pyre. So he will become this huge sacrifice. Um, Obviously, Luke is like, I can't fight physically, but I'll fight you with my words until I'm fucking six feet in the ground. So he's still screaming at the blood frenzy teens, like, you know, just mocking them, calling them like idiots and all this kind of stuff. And the teens were like, that's enough. It's time for the sacrifice. So they tell the old lady to come over here and they're like, all right, summon your God. We will light this pyre. It's time for you to summon the God. But the old woman just stands there. She completely ignores them and they are getting kind of pissed and they're like, what, like, what the hell is going on? Like, why are you not doing anything? Luke is because he's upside down this whole time. He passes out from all like the blood rushing to his head. And when he wakes up, he's back in the room. So untied from the pyre, the teens are nowhere to be found. He's back in his room. He's untied in the room, not tied up in the room. And he is given back his Swiss army knife by the old woman. So all he can see now is the old woman. And he's like, okay, what happened to the fucking teens? What happened to me being a sacrifice? Why didn't you call the God? All this kind of stuff. Um, and so Luke's like, this might be my chance. I need to get out of here. If this old woman might be on my side trying to help me. He gets a rifle that the teenagers were like using. And he kills uh, Loki and Fenris. So Two of the teens, like, they all kind of got pissed at the old woman who didn't do anything. And then when the guy, pa- and then when Luke passed out, they're like, well, we can't do the sacrifice now because he's not alive to, like, burn or whatever. Not alive, not, like, awake, which is part of the ritual. Um, and so she's kind of like, here, the old woman to Luke is like, here's some weapons. This is where they keep the rifle. I'm not going to tell you what to do, but these three were just trying to kill you. And I didn't. I took you off. Like, I didn't summon the god. So he thinks that she's on his side. So he kills them. He kills two of them. And the third one, Surtur, that's how you pronounce it, uh, flees into the woods. So she's, I think it's a she, is gone. Um, he's looking Luke begins to look for keys because he spotted a truck while he was out there. He's like, oh, my God, I can get in this truck and get out of here. So he's scrambling, looking for keys, like, to get out of here. And then he hears the old woman. And she's singing in Swedish. And it's very creepy sounding. And all he can hear is that she's summoning some creature. And this creature is called Motor. 
like M-O-D-E-R, motor, motor, like what's going on, blah, blah, blah. And the word is really mother just in Swedish. So the old woman is calling up something. Maybe she didn't do it earlier when the Swedish band, the, those kids or whatever, like asked them, but she's doing it now. And Luke realizes that the old woman was using him to get rid of blood frenzy because these teens showed up and they're like, we are going to sacrifice to Odin and all this kind of stuff. And they kind of like didn't really know what situation they were stepping into in that shack with all the ancient ones. But the old woman is very smart and she's like, sure, I'll help you, quote unquote. But in reality, she was using Luke kind of as a pawn to get rid of them so that she can continue her actual like ritual. And, uh, uh, he realizes a little bit too late, Luke, that just because she was using him to get rid of those teens doesn't mean he's not still the sacrifice. He's still the sacrifice. She's going to use him um, to call up mother who she's been summoning. And so Luke is like, absolutely fucking not. And he shoots her with the rifle. And when he shoots her, she falls down and he sees that she also has goat legs. So she's also one of the ancient ones that's been up in the attic. And he's like, Oh my God, like they're everywhere. So he starts panicking. He goes up to the attic and he kills the ancient ones, all of them. So he completely destroys this cult that the, the motor mother cult, whatever the hell they were praying to, he destroys them. And outside he can hear the creature who is mother or motor or whatever. He's the creature is killing one of the blood frenzy people that escaped. And now it's coming for him, like killed Surter. She's probably going to be strung up in the woods somewhere. And he's like, I got to get the fuck out of here. Gets in the car. He's driving through the fucking woods, like ramming this truck into all this stuff, like fleeing literally. And this big fucking beast is chasing him while he's driving in the truck. So he is literally fleeing for his life. Eventually, he confronts the beast face to face and motor, mother, the creature, the entity, whatever the hell it is, is a giant, giant goat-like animal big beast but it's got huge human arms and it's like this weird combination of like almost opposite of what the ancient ones were right because they were human on top and then goat on the bottom but he's all human pretty much or yeah all goat and then with some human extremities and motor tears the truck apart like it's fucking flimsy little paper he's ripping the truck apart to get to luke uh but luke manages to stab the beast in the throat and to get it off of him and he just staggers away he's like kind of injured he's naked because he was going to be the sacrifice and he's running in and out of the forest being stalked by all of motors like little like beings they're called white children and then he manages to get up on this like rocky little plane where he's kind of like he's got some semblance of freedom to himself but he completely descends into like this delirious, like, he, I mean, he's like lost his mind pretty much because of all the shit that he's just been through. And he realizes that like all those things that he was complaining about in his modern life don't aren't as bad <laughs> in reality as they could be because you could always be a human sacrifice to a creepy Swedish cult in the middle of the woods. And so his only thing that matters now is that he has to survive. I just have to stay alive. And that's where the book ends is Luke realizing, you know what? I'm going to do whatever I got to do to stay alive. And that's the end of the story. Which might seem like a little anticlimactic, but at the same time, I'm one of those people that really loves an open-ended story because 
truthfully, I think Luke's going to die. Like, Luke's fucked. There's no way he's getting out of the situation. He may have hurt that creature, but that thing is so fucking strong. It's coming for him, you know? But it's more of, like, his emotional arc and journey where he spends a lot of this this book and this time looking back at his life, because especially because these people he used to be friends with, they kind of gives him this introspectiveness of, like, what have I become in the time that has passed since I've left college, and what have I done with my life? And because he didn't do the stereotypical get married, got a job, he kind of feels like I'm, you know, a bum. Like I'm a disappointment to what is the norm of adult life. But going through all this, he realizes, no, all that matters is I'm alive. I'm here. I survived. And that is enough. That is enough for me. And that is enough for all humans. Like it doesn't have to be perfect. You just have to be alive. And that realization is almost like, you know, whatever happens to him happens because he's come to his his catharsis in his own mental like life and and what he's done with himself and and while he's battled literal demons <laughs> in every shape and size as well as his own personal ones as he's still in the heart of these woods and in the heart of danger he finds a peace and he finds you know this 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 consensus within himself that you know what life is worth living no matter what it looks like which is like a pretty cool way to end a horror book because most times it's either yay we got off scot-free and we're free and everyone else is dead except for me or it's everybody's dead but in this one it's kind of like he could get free and he could die but all that matters is that he found his his end result within himself which i think is super super interesting um not even to mention that like i obviously couldn't get into all the details uh and Adam Neville is an extremely descriptive author. His descriptions of the beast and like the hunting scenes in the beginning are very creepy. And then when it gets to like the culty stuff with Blood Frenzy and the ancient ones, it just gets super weird and mythical and lore heavy. And I love that shit. And then when you make it scary, it's even more exciting. So like it it takes this turn and becomes a story you don't expect, which I really, really appreciate because I think horror more than any genre is kind of trope reliant a lot of the time. Like we're so used to what we see in horror stuff. And, and it's not to say that this one doesn't have the tropes because like they take a shortcut through the woods, they leave the trail when they shouldn't have, like they make these very stereotypical horror character mistakes, but our main character, Luke, you know, he doesn't necessarily have to win the battle with the creature for the story to find a conclusion. He kind of wins a battle within himself. And that's where our story concludes, which I think is really cool and really super interesting and, and unique and different. Not even to mention how amazing of the writing this is. Like I recommend this book whenever people want to talk about scary stuff and horror books, because it's very accessible. It's very good. And it's, almost impossible to put down you just want to know what's going on you only have to put it down because it's spooky but then you want to pick it right back up because it's like well i gotta know how they get out of this and so the fact that it is this good that it was published in 2011 and that it's like modern and it's a perfect season i thought what a great recommendation i know i was gone for a month but i came back to give you guys just a little bit of a halloween spooky treat so that was the ritual by adam neville published in 2011 i think the movie came out in 2017 yeah the movie was released in 2017 um i'd be curious to know how you feel comparing if you've read and watched um but if not if you've only watched i really really recommend the book because from what I've heard, it's, it's kind of different. It shifts pretty heavily in some instances. Um, but then also, 
I would recommend anything Adam Neville writes. My fiance, we're about to call him boyfriend, but he's not. My fiance is reading Last Days by Adam Neville, which is um, the very next book he published after The Ritual. And that one's about like uh, a ghost hunting crew visiting like a haunted house. Like an old cult used to live there. And now it's like a property that's kind of haunted or whatever, which sounds really interesting as well. So Adam Neville's got a, a few different works and I'd probably recommend anything he writes because if the ritual is anything to go by, he can scare the pants off you better than anyone I think I've ever met. And horror is one of my favorite book genres. So I, to have this be my probably number one recommended horror book, I think says something, but you know, who cares if you don't think my opinion is as strong, that's fine. Otherwise I would always go with Stephen King. He's an, always a foolproof horror book type of guy. I have a episode horror book Rex, so you can go check that out. And I believe I even talk about this book on that episode, but I figured it deserved its own episode anyway. Um, I also recently this year read 20th Century Ghosts by Joe Hill, who is Stephen King's son. And that was one of my favorite reads of the year so far. It is amazing. So if you want another horror thing, that's that's just a book of short stories. Um, so if you want to be spooked or unsettled, but not fully scared, I'd recommend that. But if you are like me and you want to get as much scare as you possibly can out of your book, please do yourself a favor and read The Ritual by Adam Neville because, oh my God, I did not do it justice because I don't think anything can unless you actually read it. Um, but it is so highly recommended by me. It is a perfect time to read it now that we are officially back in October. So that was another episode. I'm sorry again that I was late. Um, September, like I said, was a very crazy month for me. There was just so much going on and I haven't really had the opportunity to sit down and record. Um, but we're back and we're back in spooky season. And depending on how I feel with all the horror books I have in my bookshelf, I might do another one this month, another spooky book, because I think they're super fun to talk about. And most of the horror books I read are more modern anyway. So it'd be easier for me to get through. Um, a lot of the old books are just so detail rich that I really, it takes me a lot more time to create an episode around them. But this one was, this one kind of flew by for me, at least. Uh, I don't know about you guys, but that was episode 21, I believe, of Read Your Heart Out. I hope you guys enjoyed it. I hope you're all staying safe and happy wherever you are. Um, and like always, treat people with kindness and read your heart out.